Welcome back, and we get ready for the NFL playoffs wildcard weekend, super wildcard weekend. They're now dubbing it over the last couple of seasons, and it's good to be back on BetUS TV. Hello there. I'm the somewhat capable host, TJ Reeves. I've got my handicappers, Chris Farley and Scott Kellen. And let me say at the outset of the show, it's great to be with everybody live on a Thursday afternoon at 1 Eastern time. I do not have tickets for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers-Dallas Cowboys game. You can stop inundating me on social media, text messages, and elsewhere. I am not Ticketmaster. I'm anxious to be there. I'm lucky I can get myself into this game. Coming up to work, Buccaneers Radio for Monday Night uh, Cowboys and uh, Buccaneers. We're anxious to talk about all six games on the Super Wild Card Weekend with the boys. How are we feeling? Scott Kellen, how are we feeling here headed into the playoffs? We are feeling good, TJ, and uh, you know I was a little disappointed because I've got to take a trip, uh, AF, AFC, NFC Championship weekend in a few weeks here, down to Atlanta, the event that Sunday night, and I'm like, oh, geez, I might miss part of these games, and then I just see today, <laughs> if Buffalo and Kansas City play in the AFC Championship, it will be in Atlanta, so I'm like, wow, that's a great time to be in Atlanta, so <laughs> that's awesome. I'm excited, we'll see what happens. Long it is to- fascinating, yes, as we're live here on Thursday, the NFL has just announced that if it is the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, the league has decided on Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and I was just there with the Buccaneers in the regular season finale last weekend, a magnificent facility they've had the super bowl there they've had the college football playoff championship game there uh, a hub it's kind of a new it's a true neutral field to get there from kansas city coming to the southeast from buffalo coming directly south uh, to be there so that's what the announcement was earlier today and kellen is golden so now kellen needs to hook up in atlanta for the afc title game yeah. Yeah, if he's yeah. there chris farley hello happy playoff weekend how are you i'm doing great i'm i'm very excited that it is the playoffs because it feels like this year, maybe above many years, right? We Not only have we seen more parity, but just, I don't know, you know, once you get to a certain part of the year, especially, just you you really know who the bad teams are, but you got to keep watching them. You got to keep talking about them, right? So uh, here we are. There's a lot of good teams here. And about that Falcons game or the game in Atlanta, if that should occur, man, the total at that, on that game has going to be sky high. We're going to get Bills and Chiefs possibly in a dome. I mean, that will be... I, I couldn't see that one going under 60 points. That'd be exciting. Yeah, it'll be fascinating if it gets to that. And again, in the case of uh, Buffalo and Kansas City, they are both uh, Buffalo at home this weekend. Kansas City will be waiting for someone at home. So there is a distinct possibility uh, that this could be the matchup uh, for the AFC title game. We'll see. We got a lot of football to play between now and then this weekend with six games, next weekend with four more to figure out who. Uh, the four participants are in the AFC and NFC title games. And what do we say that we take a look at our records for the regular season as we've wrapped things up and then get into it here for a Thursday. As we see uh, Chris Farley finishing above 500, Scott Kellen also well above 500. Look at the show for the year, kids. We keep touting this on BetUS and the NFL coverage. Plus 25 for the season in the picks. If you've been with us throughout the year, thank you. If you're just finding us here, uh, for the playoff weekend, we got some standards to live up to now for the BetUS NFL show. And again, uh, by the way, thank you for finding us. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you're subscribing. A lot of you watching us live. And with that, boys, are you ready to go wild carding? Are you ready to go into the wild card weekend and get into it? We've got six games. You're going to get conversation on all of them. If not an official play on all of them, you'll get conversation about every one of them. And let's begin, shall we? We begin with a third meeting, and we're going to have a couple of those on this first weekend between the 49ers and the Seahawks with uh, the San Francisco 49ers having won the first two matchups. Now they play at Levi Stadium for a third time. On the Super Wildcard Weekend, the line is still 10. How about that with Brock Purdy, the rookie, for San Francisco still at the helm. The total is 42 and a half. Let's get things underway as both of our handicappers are interested in this game. Chris Farley, why don't you start us off uh, here for this one? What do you like for an official play? Seahawks will start on Saturday afternoon in San Francisco for the Wildcard Weekend. Yeah, so I'll start off by saying, again, uh, BetUS offers really good lines for underdogs. So if you like the Seattle side, you're not going to get a 10 in most books, but you're going to attend right here at BetUS. So that's a good thing if you support Seattle. And I do think that these Seahawks, um, there might be some value on the Seahawks in this game. I mean, look, I, I know San Francisco has dominated this team two times this season. Um, obviously, San Francisco, a 10-game win streak. Uh, their defense is playing unbelievably well. 
if you take a step back and look at it, right, um, I mean, in that 10-game span, San Francisco's faced teams like the Bucks when they were really low, right? Not, not, not the Bucks right now, TJ, but the Bucks when they weren't doing too hot. You know, right. The Raiders, the Rams, the Cardinals twice. They got good wins against the Char- Chargers and Dolphins, but they haven't exactly faced the pedigree of the NFL. And now this is a, a Seattle team who's going to see San Francisco three times this year, right? This is a divisional rival. So they do know that San Francisco, they know the way they work. They know their tendencies. That being said, um, I still have to find a way to play on San Francisco because really if you're you know, trying to look for things here, there's, there's really nothing to not like about this team. Since that week seven loss against the Chiefs where they got embarrassed at home, 14.4 points allowed per game, just over 300 yards allowed per game, only two touchdowns to running backs, only one 300-plus yard passer, and I believe that was against the Raiders with Jared Stidham. That was a really weird thing that happened there. And only three 270-plus yard passers. So this defense has almost been flawless for 10 straight games now. Really tough spot for Seattle going into San Francisco. And we know Brock Purdy has handled business really well. So I am going to tease this down, San Francisco to minus three. Um, you know, that's a very achievable line. We would like to get that under a field goal, but we got to go with these bet U.S. lines. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with that, right? San Francisco is completely healthy on offense. Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams is good. They're all pro left tackle. Uh, it's just a team that's built to win and built to win now. And as long as Brock Purdy doesn't make an egregious mistake, I think they do win this game. Just more comfortable with the minus three. All right, Scott Kellen, let's get a thought or two from you on a 49ers team that has been rolling. Rookie quarterback inserted or not, I mean, San Francisco hasn't lost in two months. They close out the regular season with a win over the Cardinals. That locked up the number two seed uh, for them. They get to host this game. They handled the Seahawks at home by 20 for whatever it's worth all the way back at the beginning of the season. They then beat them decisively on the Thursday night in Seattle in Brock Purdy's second start. Just four days after they clobbered my Buccaneers in San Francisco. He went to Seattle. It wasn't just him, but he was good enough in that game. Any thoughts, if no official play, on uh, 49ers Seahawks Part 3 to kick off the wild card weekend? Yeah, a couple thoughts. And I, I was just reading here, uh, ESPN Chalk, I was reading this morning, a couple things. Um, when teams play each other in the playoffs and they have won and covered every time they played during the regular season, in this, in this case it was two games, uh, those teams that won and covered every game are only 40, 54, and two against the spread. So, uh, kind of to your point, TJ and I can give you know countless examples of teams who got destroyed early in the year, and then they meet in the playoffs, and it's a different game at that point, right? This, it's a long, long season. Uh, divisional teams, uh, and, and I think it's in the wild card round, I believe, are eight and two against the spread. So, again, you know, maybe something to consider CL on. The flip side of that, though, is favorites of nine or more here are now, I think, like um, 11 and 0 or something against the spread. So these bigger favorites in these wild card rounds recently have also covered as well. I think it's going to be tough for Seattle. Uh, you know, I've mentioned this countless times this year. When Seattle has played a good defense, you know, 49ers are, of course, going to qualify there. They have struggled to score. 17 points against Denver, seven against San Francisco week two, 32 against New Orleans, who I, I in my metrics kind of lists as a, a better defense, might be a little bit of an outlier. 16 against your Bucks in Germany, 23 against the Jets a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, and then obviously against you know, San Francisco earlier this year, they didn't do well either. The flip side of that is when um, they have played the league's top 10 offenses, which San Francisco is, and Purdy's done very well. They're giving up 27, 45, 40, 21, 24. So a long way, uh, long story short, uh, you know, when I kind of combine all that math there, this looks like a 31, 19, 27, 17 type, 27, 17 type game uh, for the 49ers. I just think it's going to be tough for Seattle to really scratch out more than 17 points or so in this game. A couple things, though, I will say, can uh, I mention this last week? I've noticed San Francisco a little bit giving up some passing yards, and certainly Seattle has got a quarterback and receivers that can throw the ball. Uh, so, you know, that could come into play. A lot of what San Francisco has done, you know, they've scored um, in the 30s, one, two, three, four, four of their last five games, uh, five of their last seven games, they've gotten into the 30s. A lot of that is, is or some of that is predicated on their defense, setting them up in very favorable situations or maybe even scoring. So as the playoffs 
go uh, go on here if San Francisco continues to advance. What I do think will be interesting is how well does this offense perform if the defense isn't able to set them up? And the competition is only going to get tougher and tougher. And the last thing I would say here is, you know, looking at San Francisco's schedule, since Purdy came aboard, the majority of these games have been at home as well. And this one's at home as well, so, uh, you know, it, it fits that same bucket. So, uh, and Purdy's done very well. He's averaging 7.1 yards a pass against teams giving up 6.2 yards a pass. Very similar numbers to Garoppolo. Um, and last comment uh, I'll make here, this kind of reminds me of this team a little bit about the Ben Roethlisberger rookie year where the Steelers went 14-2 or two or 15-1. Roethlisberger wasn't great. He had a great defense, got him to the AFC Championship game. They lost to the Patriots, who went on and then upset the, uh, the, the Rams in the Super Bowl. And this kind of has a feeling like that, too. It's based on a good defense. Purdy's certainly holding his own and a very uh, offense, uh, efficient offensive system for as well. I just think it's going to be too tough. I don't have a play in the game. I do lean over in this game, by the way, because I think San Francisco will get into the 30s themselves. Only reservation there is uh, wind and rain in this game, and I don't know how that's going to um, impact it. Um, so I worry about that a little bit, so I'm holding off on any total play right now. But I lean 49ers. I think it's going to be tough for Seattle to score in this game. All right, so check on the weather conditions, too, as it gets closer. Again, Chris Farley has the official play, and he wants to tease this number down. Seattle, I didn't make mention of this, uh, had to win and had to have help, and it took until overtime for them to get the win over the Rams and then the help they got. I keep joking, guys, whatever Dan Campbell's drinking, Pete Carroll ought to send him a case of it because they had nothing to play for except to ruin it for Green Bay. And the Lions came from behind and won the game in the second half at Lambeau. Are you kidding me? To put Seattle into this game. Chris Farley, nonetheless, though, says tease that number down. He likes the 49ers. It's going to be a two-team tease that he's going to have. So we lock him into San Francisco minus the three in this matchup with the Seahawks. If you're wondering, it hasn't happened a bunch. There are a lot of teams that have won the third of three meetings after being 2-0. and my Tampa Bay Buccaneers two years ago beat the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round after losing the two regular season games. So that's the last team to do what San Francisco is going to try to do. And we'll talk about Baltimore, uh, too, in the matchup with uh, Cincinnati and pulling the upset here in a, in a few minutes. But it's it is tough generally to beat a team three times. Not as tough as you would think, though, in the NFL. Let's see if the Seahawks can keep it close. So that's why Chris is lowering the line. All right, we move on. See the six games that we're talking about here, and that includes the Sunday opener of the triple header with the Buffalo Bills playing host to the Miami Dolphins. Look at that whopping line, minus 14, and that line's gone up a little bit with the Dolphins officially announcing that Tua Tagovailoa won't play. Concussion protocol. Rookie Skylar Thompson is once again the quarterback as a third stringer uh, here for this one at Buffalo. Total 43 and a half. And I'm going to come right back to Chris Farley because you're going to have the official play again to start this one off as well. The Dolphins won a painful, painful, I say, Farley, 11-6 game field goal fest with the Jets just to get in the playoffs. They got the Bills to beat the Patriots for them. Then they slogged their way through uh, an 11-6 game for the win with the safety on the final play of the game. All right, what what about the Dolphins, their chances against a Buffalo team, sky-high emotionally with the DeMar Hamlin uh, recovery, uh, recovery, DeMar Hamlin being released from the hospital. So, Chris, what are your thoughts? It is a large number for the Bills in a playoff game. It is. It's a, it's a very big number, especially for a divisional rival as well. But I'll say this. If you like the Dolphins in this game, if you want to bet on the Dolphins, then you're betting on a very simple thing, right? You're betting that Mike McDaniel can craft a game plan to put some – Points up on the board, you're probably hoping for a long Jalen Waddle, maybe a slam pass to Jalen Waddle or, or a Tyreek Hill that goes all the way. Because you're, you're going to need things like that to happen in this game. Obviously, Josh Allen and their offense can turn the ball over sometimes too and get a little sloppy. So, you know, there, there are routes, there are ways that Miami can hang in this game, but the line is where it is for a reason. Because when Skylar Thompson has come in for the Miami Dolphins, regardless of how brilliant Mike McDaniel is, that, that offense looks different, right? And, and now he has two wide receivers and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell who do have legitimate ankle injuries, like they're just kind of playing through it. At this point in the year, kind of everybody plays through things, but who knows if that slows them down a little bit. 
the cold of Buffalo, I mean, I, I would argue you're not going to get a tougher um, spot for any team to go into all season than this spot for Miami going into Buffalo. DeMar Hamlin could be on the field. I mean, he obviously not playing, but he could, you know, he could be out there for a coin toss or something. Else. And what kind mm-hmm. of motivational fuel would that be for the Buffalo Bills to see him at the game? A crowd that's already really raucous. Um, this is just a Bills team that I think is poised. They show that they have very high chemistry. They're not injured. Now, if they get Micah Hyde back in his playoffs, that would be really significant for them. We'll see if that happens, but he's still going to be out of this game. But I think it's going to be okay because of the Dolphins' limitations. You know, Josh Allen has, has found ways, right? We see a game in and game out. They keep games close, but then they have a drive where Josh Allen just has a big run or a big throw, and they kind of blow the whole thing open. I don't think the, I don't think the Bills are going to wait in this game. I think they're going to do that from the very start, be very aggressive. So I'm taking a teaser in this game again. I'm going to tease it down to seven. It's not ideal in a two-team teaser to have a seven and a three on your card because if it hits on a seven or a three, you lose the bet, right? Like it can't, for a two-team teaser, it can't land there. But let's put it this way. If the Bills were just straight up a minus seven-point favorite this week going up against the Dolphins with their quarterback situation, I don't think anybody would bat an eye. I think everybody would be betting on Buffalo in this one. I mean, I, I do think this is a blowout. I, I just, it's hard for me to see any chance for the Dolphins to hang in this game. Yeah, it is a shame for Miami that had such a great start. They had such a volatile season. I mean, they won like uh, two or three games right away. Then they lost three or four games. And then they won like four in a row. And then they had the swoon with the injuries. They find their way in. Uh, but Scott Kellen here, I don't know how you can trust any offense. And Chris makes a great point about the emotion for the Bills. The Bills playing at home, freezing cold weather. It's going to be. Uh, probably in the 20s, the low 20s with the wind chills, Sunday early game in Buffalo. Thoughts, Scott Kellen, on this matchup. Uh, Again, these teams split in the regular season for what it's worth. Miami won the game in the heat earlier in the year. Buffalo came from behind and won late in the year on the Saturday night game. Scott Kellen, thoughts real quick on this one. Yeah, uh, I mean, Chris said a lot of it here. Skyler Thompson, he's averaging four and a half yards a pass. Uh, That's that's just going to be very difficult to go in anywhere against a competent offense uh, similar to Buffalo and win. And in games this year where Tua has not played at least 40% of the snaps, the Dolphins have scored 15, 17, 16, 21 against New England and, and 11 points last week. Uh, you know, that's an average of, I, I think, roughly about 16 points a game. So it's going to be very hard, I, I think, um, for Miami to get more points than that. Yes, Mike McDaniels has got an offense that can be conducive to that, much like Kyle Shanahan does, but we haven't really seen that out of his offense this year. So uh, I just don't know how they'll get more points in that. And then on the flip side, uh, on the road this year, when the Dolphins have played a good offense, they've given up 38, 27, 27, 33, 23, and 32 points. That's an average of about 30 points a game. So you just look at that little uh, simple way of looking at this, and that's about a 30 to 16 game. My numbers favor the over a little bit, um, simply because kind of like the San Francisco game, Buffalo's not letting up here. It's playoff time. Uh, it's it's very hard to believe that this team cannot get into the 30s in this game, and then you don't need much from Miami to get it over the total. You could play it the other way. I was just looking uh, the team total at one of the books I was looking at for Buffalo's 27 and a half over minus 130. You could play over 28. That you know that might be another way to do this as well because. I do think Buffalo is going to score points. It's kind of what they do. Um, and with Skylar Thompson, it's more than likely that they're also going to leave Buffalo in favorable positions to score points. Um, and, you know, this is a good defense for Miami, um, but it's not great. And the only teams that have really, really uh, caused Buffalo issues on offense this year have been top 10 defenses like the Jets, for example. Uh, but against other teams, uh, that are, aren't in the top 10 at home. Buffalo's average about 33 points a game. So uh, I think Buffalo gets into the 30s. You can do the math after that to know what Miami would have to get to, and I don't think they're getting there. I don't want to lay 14. I would probably either look uh, over total or over Buffalo team total in this game if I did anything. Well, and again, for the Bills, they have their eyes on a Super Bowl run here. It begins here with all that emotion that Chris was talking about. Still, he is looking at teasing down the number from 14 to 7. It's a massive number for the Bills laying that out on Sunday early in Orchard Park, New York. So let's lock him in uh, here on the tease. This is another two-team teaser. The first leg of it will be the Bills 
teased down to minus seven in this matchup. All right, if you're finding us live here on the Bet US NFL show, thank you for doing so. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure that you are subscribed. We come your way all the way through the postseason. We'll have the divisional round next weekend. We'll preview those two AFC and NFC championship games extensively in two weeks, boys, wherever it's being played in the AFC. You know, somebody could still mess it up for Kansas City or for Buffalo in the games not on a neutral site. We'll see if that's the case uh, coming up. But we'll be here, peeps. Hit that like button. Make sure you're subscribed. Keep the questions and the comments coming. You'll see some of those below on the screen. All right, so game number four is the second game of Sunday. And the New York Giants and the Minnesota Vikings, who met Christmas Eve in this same setting at U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, the Giants uh, here getting three. The Vikings lay three. The total is 48. Scott Kellen, I'm going to come right back to you. How much stock do you put in the in the Viking win on a 61-yard field goal with no time left? They won the game against a Giant team that was beating them in the second half of the game. Uh, they won narrowly yet again. All right, thoughts on this, if not an official play, Scott Kellen on Vikings-Giants in the NFC playoffs? Yeah, you know, Vikings were, I think that, that game got bet up near the end, and they were laying like four and a half in that game, win by three, like you said, TJ, last second field goal. Minnesota led the majority of that game, fell behind there, or was tied, I guess. I think they were even behind uh, fairly late in that game. They kind of got dominated, though, in the, in the stats in that game. They, they gave up 6.7 yards of play to the Giants, only averaged five yards of play. I think the Giants threw the ball like 40-plus times in that game, which is a little bit uncharacteristic, but obviously they felt they had some advantages there. Uh, they did that. They outrushed the Vikings, six yards of rush to 4.4 yards of rush, uh, outpassed them, 7.1 yards of pass to 5.2 yards of pass. The Vikings only had one play of 20 yards or more in that game. I think the Giants had about five. Uh, and, you know, what really, you, you look at those stats, you're like, well, how did the Giants lose, or why was that game so close? Well, the Giants, I think, fumbled and inter threw an interception in Viking territory at, the, like, the 32 and the 39-yard line, and then deep in their own territory, they get a, a punt block that the Vikings ultimately, I believe, took in for a touchdown as well. Uh, so just, they, they couldn't get out of their own way in that game, and it really allowed the Vikings to stay in the game. My player rating numbers have supported Minnesota all year long, uh, but you know when you look at when I look at my numbers from the line of scrimmage, it doesn't support Minnesota because we we all know what Minnesota's about. So I don't have a play in this game because of that. My numbers kind of tell me the the uh, and my numbers are very accurate on totals. Tell me this total should be about 48, 49. So it's right there. But you know when you look at these two teams, uh, basically the Vikings have given up 22 or more points in the majority of their games this year. They've also scored scored 23 or more in every game at home other than the game against Dallas, which I kind of write off. They lost their left tackle in that game, and the pressure from Dallas got to them and made it very hard for, for Minnesota to run their offense. And the Giants are scoring in the 20s in, in most games this year as well. So um, this game should get to the 47, 48 points. My numbers just don't support it for the over, so I'm not playing that either. I, I really – contemplated playing the Giants on a teaser going from plus three up to plus nine, which is still a profitable play, even though you've already got to three. And especially, it's certainly if this went down to two and a half, you could really consider that. But my, like I said, my player rating numbers kind of support the Vikings, so I stayed off it. But I just don't see how the Vikings get a a big win here. They, they won week one by 16 over Green Bay, and they won last week over a Bear team who sat everybody. Other than that, everything has been close. I don't think they won a game by more than eight points this year. So, and, you know, the Giants got their own issues, but I don't know how Minnesota separates themselves from that. You know, you, you could possibly consider a teaser, but no play for me. And I'm really interested here, Chris, because he's had a good beat on his Giants all year long. So I kind of want to see what he has to say as well. All right, Chris Farley. Scott gave us a bunch there. Interesting. I, for what it's worth, uh, if there's one road team that I believe can and likely wins the game, I think it's this one. I think it's the Giants. I just did a little original research on the fly on the show. There was only one road team that won on the Super Wild Card weekend last year. That was San Francisco upsetting Dallas. The five favorites won the other games. You go back two years ago in the pandemic crazy season. Baltimore won a road playoff game. So did Cleveland. So did my Buccaneers in Washington. And so did the Rams in Seattle. You had four of them. I don't think you're going to get four upsets of the road team winning this weekend. But I think you could get one here in Minnesota. Chris Farley, your thoughts on the Giants at the Vikings, the sequel from a couple of weeks ago. 
Yeah, I just saw a comment that said the Giants are the public dog, so you got to fade them here. I mean, the thing is, the pu- public doesn't move lines. You know, uh, the sharp the sharp betting community move, moves lines, and this line hasn't moved at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, the sports books essentially are telling you that they they really don't respect the Vikings very much <laughs> because I mean, you you could argue that the Giants are the least talented team in these NFL playoffs, and yet the Vikings are only three point favorites at home, right? And you get one or two points for being a home team. Um, so you know, everything Scott said is true. I mean, you know, Giants very easily could have won that last game. And my question is, I mean, if, if Justin Jefferson isn't on the Vikings roster, are we? is it that obvious that the Vikings are that much better of a team than the New York Giants, especially the way the Giants have, you know, the, the effort that they've exerted all year? Uh, this game kind of reminds me of the Packers and Lions last week a little bit because uh, although the Packers, you know, I don't know if you could say they're the more talented team at this point, but, you know, they've been there before. Right. Uh, They're, you know, hosting a big game. But the Lions just had more effort. The Lions kind of punched him in the mouth, had that grit that Dan Campbell's talking about. And we've seen Kirk Cousins in these situations before. Right. There's a a graphic that came out earlier this week from the 33rd team just saying how Kirk Cousins at one o'clock. He's fantastic. At any other time, he's not. (laughs) Right. And then this is (laughs) a um, a premier playoff game with the whole world. All the eyes are going to be on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. And the Giants just don't feel like they have as much to lose, right? Whereas if you're the Vikings, you have to defend your record. You have to defend your home turf. That being said, my first instinct on this game was actually to take the Vikings to kind of learn from their lessons in that last game, maybe not fall asleep on this Giants team. But the Giants have improved on defense. The defensive line is getting to the quarterback. If they can get to Kirk Cousins in this game, I think they'll be a live dog the entire game. Uh, I think the Vikings need to go ahead early if they want to win here because they have to put the Giants out because that's what makes the Giants uncomfortable. If this is a close game, the Giants are going to be able to win, I think, the entire game and stay in it. And 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 big time, uh, you know, health for the Giants defense has really improved. Xavier McKinney is a really good uh, player in their secondary who can maybe cover somebody like TJ Hawkinson, you know, or maybe like a Justin Jefferson. I mean, they're going to have some free players uh, because they have such talent on offense, the Vikings do. But I think the Giants could have the personnel to at least limit them a little bit. And my, you know, fantasy buddy, who's like an expert in that field, I was just saying how the Vikings don't play a lot of man-to-man. So they let the Giants receivers have a little space that really benefits Dayball and what he wants to do with their offense, which probably had a lot to do with their success in that first game. Um, and I love that the Giants rested all their starters last week, right? They have two weeks to prep for this. They're rested. There's, I think the value is on the New York Giants here. I'm not taking it because I don't want it to seem like a homer play. And my instinct was the Vikings, but there's a lot of reasons to like New York here. I haven't done this. I haven't done this on the show. Yeah, Scott, go ahead real quick. No, go, go ahead, TJ. I just want to make a couple comments. So show Scott again. And I'm just saying, he's saying it's not a Homer pick lean to your right. Uh, Chris Farley. And there you see the New York giant lo- state state state. Of your- there you go. There's the giant logo, but he's saying, I'm staying away from the Homer pick. I am playing your tune here that I like this situation, especially if they don't turn the ball over. Uh, I think the Vikings may play tight in this. Let us not forget, it was an amazing comeback, but the Indianapolis Colts, for God's sake, had a 30-point lead on them in the first half. So they're far from invincible in that building. What's going to happen in the playoffs? Scott, a finish up, final thought here on this one? Yeah, a couple of things. You know, Chris, you said, hey, the Vikings need to jump up on them. I, I was uh, at the club last night working out, and they had the, uh, I think it was NFL Network, had the, the replay of that game on. The Vikings were up 10 nothing in that game, too. So they got up in that game, and that still sure. didn't help them. Uh, and I think, you know, Adoree Jackson, I think, might be coming back. You can tell me, a cornerback. He's been out for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's probably their best cornerback. And the flip side of that for the Vikings, um, Christian Darisol, left tackle. He's probably their best offensive lineman. He's playing. But let's remember, they've been out with, without Garrett Bradbury, their center, for many weeks now. He's got a back problem. He kind of got healthy. Then he got in a car accident, which re-aggravated the back injury. Then he just practiced this week. I was on a call with some people, co-workers from Minnesota today, and I asked them if he's going to play. And they're like, you know, he practices one day, and then he gets banged up again. And uh, they're afraid. They don't know when to play him because they're afraid he's only going to be good for one game, and then he's going to be gone. And another co-worker, you know, made the comment about, well, they're only going to play one game in the playoffs anyway, so why don't you just play him, right? (laughs) Uh, But then remember, they lost two weeks ago. They lost Brian O'Neill, their right tackle. So he's down now as well. So, if they don't have Bradbury at center, you don't have O'Neal at the right tackle. This offensive line is banged up as well. And and obviously with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams inside there, 
They're going to they're going to create a lot of problems. The last comment I'll make, I heard Bill Polian say this yesterday. I thought it was interesting. Didn't think about it. As much as the Giants blitz, his comment was, it's very difficult to play this team the first time because you don't really know what you're what you're getting coming at you. He goes, the Vikings will have a chance to have adjusted, but Cousins has not been good on first down when, when teams blitz them and, and so forth. So um, it, it's going to be difficult. And uh, if it weren't for some of my numbers kind of uh, favoring the, the Vikings a little bit, I would definitely be all over the Giants here. Again, a giant tease, I may still end up doing it because I just don't see how Minnesota is going to uh, separate themselves in this game. All right, fair enough. Not an official play from the handicappers, but you got plenty there on Giants and Vikings, which is the middle game on Sunday. Almost done on our slate. Again, we're here Thursdays at 1 Eastern time. We will be here prior to the divisional round in the four games next week. You see it right there on your screen. We'll be here the following Thursday prior to the NFC and AFC championship games. Um, and, and while we were talking championship games earlier, uh, you never know in these playoffs because the Packers had a bye a year ago. Sorry, Scott. And the 49ers came in and beat them. So it didn't matter for having the number one seed. And uh, likewise, the Tennessee Titans had the bye as the number one seed. And it didn't matter. Joe Burrow and Cincinnati came in and beat them in Nashville. So don't just pencil in Philadelphia and Kansas City. Uh, for the title game, much less the Super Bowl, because we've seen what can happen when these playoff games happen. All right, finishing up Sunday on the triple header is the third game between Baltimore and Cincinnati. This one right back in Cincinnati where they played last week. The Bengals had to go uh, mostly all out in this game because they were still hoping for the possibility of maybe being the two seed. They had incentive. They wanted to make sure the game wasn't going to come down to a coin flip here for the Baltimore Ravens to maybe get the game at home. So the Bengals went ahead and won the game last week. All right, so uh, the Bengals laying nine. The total is 40 and a half. We still don't know here on Thursday, can Lamar Jackson play in this game? It's not looking like it. He hasn't played the last five games with the injured knee. All right, let's get into it. Let's get an official play. And uh, Scott Kellen, we're going to come right back to you. What do you like here for your first official play on this Super Wildcard Weekend, sir? Yeah, TJ, we're going to use the Bengals here in a seven-point teaser. We'll get them down to two um, at, at the minus nine. You can do a six-and-a-half, I suppose, as well, uh, either way. But let's get them. make sure we get them under three. You know, this is kind of like the Skylar Thompson play. There are some caveats here I'll point out as well. But uh, it's probably going to be Anthony Brown. Maybe it's Tyler Huntley. Uh, but, you know, when we go back uh, all the way back to last year, when it's either been Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown starting – the Ravens are averaging 16 points a game. So that's just going to be very difficult. Uh, and I, I pointed this out last week. We had the same matchup, of course. I think the line went off at 11 and a half. It'll probably continue to go up here. So if you are going to tease this, tease it sooner than later. Um, but for, for Cincinnati now, they've scored 20 or more in eight straight games and 23 or more in six straight home games, uh, 27 last week. Uh, and, and we saw the Ravens get 16 last week. So, I just don't know how the Ravens are going to get more than that. One caveat here, though, and I don't know if Cincinnati was holding back on their offense last week or, or whatnot because they, they did need to win the game, so they didn't have to give them to the coin flip here. But Baltimore kind of beat them up at the line of scrimmage last week. And just looking, Baltimore outgained Cincinnati 5.1 yards of play to 4 point yards of play. They outrushed them 4.1 to 2.8 yards per rush and outpassed Cincinnati with Anthony Brown 5.8 yards of pass to 4.6 yards of pass. Cincinnati got out to a 17 to nothing lead in that game. They had two turnovers um, by uh, Baltimore in their second and third drives where Cincinnati was able to take the ball in Baltimore territory, turn that into touchdowns. And then they also scored on a touchdown where they sacked uh, Brown in the end zone, recovered the fumble for another touchdown. So a lot of, you know, and, and that's that could very easily happen again this week with Anthony Brown, a quarterback. But I was a little shocked to see, I was just kind of watching the game off to the side, just looking at the stats, obviously. I was a little shocked to see that Cincinnati kind of got dominated at the line of scrimmage, and this Raven defense is pretty good. Um, they're not going to make it easy for Cincinnati, let's put it that way. And I don't know, maybe Cincinnati was holding back something on offense, so it's a little caution there. But nonetheless, I still definitely like Cincinnati to win this game in a teaser if you can tease it under three points. All right, so there is Scott's thoughts. We see a lot of you making comments underneath here about this matchup, the third 
matchup. And I know, uh, Chris Farley, you're in the Baltimore area. I don't know. Are you suiting up at quarterback maybe this weekend? I'm, I'm uh, who can they reach back to? Elvis Gerback, Vinny Testaverde. Who can they reach back to uh, in Baltimore to try to help them here against, uh, against the Bengals in this matchup? What are your thoughts? And I know you're going to have an official play as well on this one. Yeah, I'm also going to tease the Bengals down a second part of my teaser with the Bills. Um, I, I, I hear what Scott was saying because I was at a bar last week watching that game. It just seemed a little too close for a little while. Um, but, you know, I, I do think part of that is the Bengals just kind of – that was a weird spot for them, right? Because they knew they really probably weren't going to get the number one seed. But then you still want to win kind of out of respect for the AFC North, even, even though they already won it. Uh, but then there's really truly not too much to play for. So, um, I don't know. I, I could argue that the, the Bengals are playing the best football in the NFL. Um, entering into the playoffs. I mean, they have been lights out at home, um, over 28 points per game. They have the lowest um, opponent completion percentage in the NFL allowed. And we know in a passing league, that's more important than ever. I mean, their secondary is playing phenomenally. Um, and it's it's just a lot about Joe Burrow, right? I mean, you listen to this guy at this point, I, I don't think anybody is, is uh, surprised about the fact that he, he just has this kind of moxie, right? He just, he just, he's, just he's just that quarterback who's not going to get uh, shaken or or in, in in any one of these big game situations, especially not when he's at home. Um, and then there's you know it's, it's probably going to be Anthony Brown, right? And at, at the end of the day, this is an undrafted kid. This is a really really tough spot for him to play. Two interceptions last week. He was sacked four times. Had a fumble last week as well. Um, I, I do think a lot of that last week was the Bengals just kind of playing it close to the vest, not really showing all their cards. Um, I really, I think the Bengals are a team that the entire AFC should watch out for because everyone's kind of worried about the Chiefs. You know, we talk about the Bills, obviously, and everything that they've been. But the Bengals are playing some incredible football on both sides of the ball. Um, and, you know, really their defense, too. Their de- it doesn't always show in the stats, but when their defense needs to make stops, it, it just seems like they do it every single time. No, it doesn't matter how good an offense is. It can't, can't get over on them, right? Um, I mean, even the Chiefs, they, they struggled against this team. So I, I can't believe in a, in a quarterback like Anthony Brown or maybe Huntley who's working through tendonitis in his throwing shoulder. Uh, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough situation there for Baltimore. So, um, you know, find, find a way to bet on the Bengals in this game. I think this is my favorite teaser leg of the week. All right, good enough on that. Again, the Bengals do have a significant injury on the offensive line. To Scott's point, Alex Kappa, the free agent acquisition from the Buccaneers, injured leg. He is already ruled out for this game as the right guard for whatever it's worth for Burrow and Cincinnati. Uh, and guys, before we lock you in, I'm a, a bit of a football historian. Scott's a little older. Chris, you're probably the youngin' of the bunch. It was 41 years ago, Kellen, that they played what's known as the Freezer Bowl between the San Diego Chargers of Dan Fouts and the Kenny Anderson Cincinnati Bengals, minus nine on the thermometer at Old Riverfront Stadium in Cincinnati, minus nine on January 10th of, of 1982, minus 51 wind chill that day. The, sta- the, the AstroTurf was like concrete, like playing on asphalt, <laughs> frozen asphalt that day. And the Bengals did whip up on the Chargers 27-7 and made the Super Bowl uh, that day. All right, so I just looked. Game time temperature expected to be 40 on Sunday night. Slightly different than minus 9. They will take it in Cincinnati 41 years later. Yes. They they had the icky shuffle back uh, in 82, I believe, too, right? They had the icky shuffle. They had had all kinds of things going for the Bengals uh, of Forrest Gregg. And remember, Air Coriel and the the Chargers, they had a 40-mile-an-hour wind. Dan Dan Fouts was throwing wounded ducks into the wind, freezing cold. I mean, the images from NFL films and even from the game broadcast of every player, and you can see the breath coming out of them because it was just so stinking cold. That was 41 years. Am I that old? That was 41 years ago, but it was uh, the case. Look it up. As the kids like to say, Google it. Google it. Look it up. Uh, Nonetheless, let's lock the boys in. They are both on a two-team teaser. In Chris's case, he is paying off the second half of a tease with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, uh, Scott Kellen is going to pay off his tees in our final game here in just a second. We'll have that for you, but they're the official plays on the Ravens and the Bengals. One game to go, and it will be right here in my backyard. I'm part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneer radio broadcast. Thrilled to be part of this. Got to wait all the way till Monday night for the Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys maintain 
here late in the week as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll get into that in a second on whether the guys think that'll stick. Total is 45-and-a-half in this one. All right, uh, let's get into it. Let's go uh, to Scott Kellen first. You're paying off the second half of a tease at Raymond James Stadium. Tom Brady uh, obviously led the Buccaneers to a Super Bowl win two years ago. A year ago, a 13-win season. They played on the wild card weekend against the Eagles at home, bopped them at home. Tom Brady, 16-3, Scott Kellen, in his opening playoff game in his career for New England or Tampa Bay. Whether it's been the wild card round or off the bye in the divisional round, 16-3 in 19 games. How about that? 2-0 in Tampa Bay. Scott Kellen, give me an official play on Cowboys Bucks. Yeah, we're going to give you two official plays, and I'll give you some other stuff we can do as well, because uh, I love Tampa Bay in this game. We're going to tease them second leg. We're going to tease them up to uh, nine and a half or, or nine if you're using a six and a half or seven point teaser. Um, and and I, I just don't see, first of all, I don't think Tampa Bay is going to lose this game, but I don't see any way that Dallas is going to run away with this game. I'm also going to go over 45 and a half points. I've got this game shaded higher from a stand, uh, total point standpoint. And you could even, in, in, in some ways, maybe this is even a, a better play, uh, although not for show purposes, uh, over the team total of Tampa. They're probably going to be 21, 21 and a half. I'll check it here in, in a second as well. But I would also consider Tampa Bay over the team total points. First of all, Tampa Bay, and you, you know this, TJ, they're probably going to be, and Brady has said that this week as well, they're probably going to be about as healthy as they've been all year. They're going to have both their tackles. They should have their defense for the most uh, part. Uh, obviously, they don't have Ryan Jensen at center yet, but that could be coming down the road in the playoffs if they advance. They don't have Shaquille Barrett, you know, who they lost uh, many weeks ago. But the rest of that defense should be in pretty good shape for them uh, and ready to go. Tampa Bay has been much better on offense at home this year. We've seen them in the last two games score 30 points against Carolina, 23 against a very good Cincinnati defense that they gave that game away with a whole bunch of turnovers. Uh but this is really about Dallas and really Dallas. A, I just don't think Dallas is a great team. And when they have to go on the road and play on grass, and we saw it last week, and it's, and you know, we, we didn't get hurt when the line too much, but they were awful. And now, again, maybe maybe they're going through the motions last week. They didn't have a lot to play for, even though the guys played. Oh, hold up, hold up. The first half of the game, they don't know what's going on in Philadelphia. They still Correct. could have potentially won the East. And, and and gotten the number one seed, and I agree with you. What was that? Four days later, they were like zombies with a game that still mattered in the first half. I understand after halftime, you know you're losing. You know Philadelphia's winning 16-3. to Maybe you're pulling back after halftime. They were awful in the first half, Scott. We can't just oh. excuse that and poo-poo that away. Continue. Yeah, no, they were awful. I, I guess I'm going in with that. The 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 realistic expectations that Philly would lose at home, you know, for example, maybe their mindsets just weren't right, and they were going through the motions from that standpoint. But when they've gone, so when since when Dak has played for them this year at home, they played a lot of easy teams at home, uh, you know, teams like the Bears and and Houston and whatnot. But uh, they've averaged 6.6 yards a pass against teams who have given up 6.2 yards a pass. And an average 5.8 yards of play against teams who have given up 5.5 yards of play. So they've been above average. But when they've gone on the road, on grass, uh, they have not been good. They're averaging only 5.5 yards of pass against teams that give up 6.3 yards of pass. They're almost a full yard per pass below average. Yards per play is just as drastically different. And their defense, which I've said all year long, I – their defense is good, but if they don't get pressure on the quarterback, and Brady has been very good about getting the rid, of, rid of the ball very quickly, I don't think that back end is that good. And on the road, on grass, defensively, they are giving up seven yards a pass against teams that allow six yards or average six yards a pass and giving up six yards of play against teams that average 5.3 yards of play. And they're giving up 28 points a game against teams that average 20 points a game. This is just a, a night and day difference for Dallas when they're at home and have to go on the road. Their last three games on the road against good offensive teams, 31 at Green Bay, 40, and, and Green Bay is not even that good offensively, of course, but 31 at Green Bay, 40 at Jacksonville, and 20, uh, 34 at home to Philadelphia. That was a home game. They're giving up points. And yes, I know Tampa Bay is not a good offensive team. There's nothing I'm going to say here that's going to say that they are. But they have played better at home, and I do believe they will expose the Cowboys here at home as well. Um, 
you could play Tampa Bay on the money line. You could play them plus two and a half. I did play them plus three earlier in the week. The line's gone right now. Officially, for show purposes, though, uh, we're going to tease them the second leg. We're going to tease Tampa Bay up, and we're going to go over the 45 and a half because I think Tampa Bay is going to get at least 27, 30 points in this game. Interesting. And if the Bucks do, they're going to be very tough to beat, as you mentioned, because they've struggled just to get to 17, 20 points for a lot of the games. But they seem to be finding something late in the year, particularly Mike Evans. In the, in the second to last game, he caught three big pass plays, three bomb touchdowns from Tom Brady. Will he have a big game? Chris Farley, you're right back to this one. It's the final game of the Super Wildcard Weekend. What's the official play, sir? Oh, you're on mute. Not sure that we're hearing you, Chris. We're seeing you. Not sure that we're hearing you. Don't oh, know if I that's got, him. Got, there we go. So now you're unmuted. Fire away again. What do you like? I was saying, uh, Scott, you got me all pumped up for this bet because I am taking a Tampa Bay Buccaneers money line in this game. And, uh, yeah, am I enjoying that a little bit? Sure, because I'm a Giants fan. It's another year that the Cowboys, I think, are going to flail. Uh, but let's let's take a step back, too, and, like, who have the Cowboys faced this year, right? I mean, they've had a pretty easy schedule, and they still, they struggled with Houston. Uh, they struggled struggled against the Titans' second string. They had their butts kicked last week by the Commanders. I don't know what that was. Uh, you know, they lost to Philly without Dak, fine, but I'm not sure that Dak is the best option at this point. I'm truly not, and this is probably the worst year of his career. Uh, they beat Philly with Minshew, our quarterback. Okay, so they won at Minnesota. We all know that game. All kind of saw that coming. And they beat Detroit midseason when they were in a funk. Two dome teams, too, right? So dome, dome, dome. Here we go back to grass, just like Scott was saying in Tampa Bay. Their offense looks really pedestrian in those situations. And I know Tampa Bay has not looked that great this year, but their schedule is, is considerable, was considerably harder than the Cowboys. The NFC South was kind of feisty this year. We saw Carolina improve at the back end. The Saints improve at the back end, especially on defense, too. They face teams like... Baltimore, Cincinnati, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Green Bay, Seattle. These are all playoff or playoff fringe teams. They made it through, and now let's face it, right? Tom Brady, when you've seen him at the end of some of these games that they needed to win, I think that's his mentality for the entire game when he's in the playoffs, right? Like now this is do or die, you know, no more peeling back or maybe trying to facilitate everybody throughout the game. This is Tom Brady time. I don't trust Dak Prescott's mentality. I think he's a he's probably a really great person, but I just there's a lot of pressure on these Dallas Cowboys year to year to deliver with all the money and all the all the pressure that's on them for being you know America's team. They're the uh, most um, valuable franchise in the world, et cetera. You got Jerry Jones looking down on you, and this is a really tough spot on the road for the Cowboys. And watch yes, out! Yes, it is. Watch out for Julio Jones in this game too, because this is the reason why he came to Tampa, right? He wanted to be with a team that can go to the playoffs, win a championship. He should be healthy in this game and ready to go. And now he adds another element to a Tampa Bay wide receiver core that still is pretty good. And man, if they can get their run game going on this one, and I, you know, we haven't seen that all season, but it would not surprise me at all if you know Tom Brady is sending texts at 1:30 a.m. telling his whole team, we're gonna kill this team this weekend. And their <laughs> and their and their offensive line is just playing way better, and all of a sudden Fournette. You know, goes for like 150 yards, right? That's what happens in the playoffs with with Tom Brady from a physical standpoint, from the way he plays quarterback. Yes, with the intangibles and how he's prepared and how he motivates his team as well. I like Tampa Bay in this game a lot. All right, I could sit here and give you another 15 minutes. We don't need to. The <laughs> handicappers just gave you plenty. Let me give you two more things. Uh, over and over again in one-score games with the game on the line, Tom Brady won against the Rams in this building. Tom Brady won on Monday Night Football, down 10 against the Saints in this building. Tom Brady on Christmas night in Arizona, down 10, won the game. How much more of I realize those are not playoff teams, but how much more of a sample size do you need that if the game is on the line, he's going to win the game, which is Chris's point on the money line. And for Dallas, Dak Prescott blew this game a year ago. I know that was last year. They were at home with San Francisco, and they got eaten up by the 49er defense. He turned the ball over. They got beat. Whether you're going back to Tony Romo coming forward to Dak Prescott, we can show you game after game where they have played tight in December, tight in the postseason. Now you're on the road against Tom Brady, who's never lost to the Cowboys. All right, so there's plenty. And again, I can be viewed as biased or slanted. I get it. I work on the, on the Buccaneer radio broadcast. But even if I was devoid of that, would, would do you want to go against Tom Brady in the first playoff game here when when – 
everything is riding on it with the Cowboys as that other team? Just saying. All right, let's lock the boys in. I've said my piece. Let's lock the boys in. Second half of the tees for both. Uh, they're both putting in here the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, off the tees for Scott. The second half of the tees is the Bucks plus nine and a half. He also has the over, by the way. And Chris Farley says, give me Buccaneers on the money line as well. So uh, in the Tampa Bay game, you will take the Bucks and the money line in this one. Um, all right, fellas. So those are the six games for the Super Wild Card Weekend. We gave you a bunch. I didn't know how long we were going to go. We gave you almost an hour, and the and the live audience has grown and grown. Thank you. Go back and watch the beginning of the show and see the official plays and analysis. We're going to recap it here. And I know the Bet US folks do a great job of clipping the games out individually uh, as well, uh, so that you can see them segment by segment. Here are, by means of recap, the best bets for the show. Again, both guys going with two-team teasers that you can see there on the screen. Chris liked early the San Francisco-Jacksonville Saturday night games. Scott is on the Cincinnati-Tampa Bay two-team teaser. Chris on the Buffalo-Cincinnati two-team teaser, also on the Bucks money line. And Scott likes the over as well on Buccaneers-Cowboys for Monday night. Guys, final thoughts. Again, no Philadelphia, no Kansas City until next weekend. Any final thought? Chris Farley, final thought. Um, I'm just really excited that the playoffs are here. Um, I'm really excited to see our record on this show. I mean, Scott has kind of been holding us on his shoulders uh, for the entire season, but I, I got better the second half of the season too. I mean, that's that's a damn near 70% ATS cover rate yep. on this show, which especially in the NFL, folks, you, you just don't see that very often. Um, so excited about the playoffs, boys. Hopefully we can get some more, Scott. Scott Kellen, final thought here. Super wild card weekend, sir. Yeah, no, Chris, four and one last week. You're coming on. We're both coming on. Uh, and, you know, sometimes the season is made in in the uh, returns are four or five weeks, too. I mean, you just don't know when it's going to happen. It's happened. We're, we've had a great year. Uh, we thank everyone for joining. And the only thing I would say is, like, just remember what happened earlier in the year when these teams played each other. It means nothing now, especially if it, we're talking about something in the first five weeks of the season. This season is completely different now. Um, enjoy the games. I think the playoffs are going to be outstanding, and uh, this should be a great weekend as well. Should be a lot of fun. Great job, Antonio. Everybody behind the scenes at BetUS, thank you for the help with that. Chris, good luck with the plays. Scott Kellen, good luck with the plays. We will be here next Thursday. We will know the final eight teams in the divisional round, and we will go over all of it on the BetUS NFL show. Enjoy the games this weekend.